everybody what's up welcome back to THC my name is Kimmy and every week I smoke and I tell you a true crime story so if that is your vibe then make sure you subscribe and I will show up in your phone every Monday and if that's not enough for you you can follow me on social media at truly high crime on Instagram and Twitter um yeah but other than that how are you what's up what's going on in the world today um it's nice outside it's over 60 degrees so um if it's like that by you i hope you went outside and i also want to say i didn't realize that last week's episode was going to come out on um, international women's day or else i would have said something because i love women um so i just want to give a shout out to all of the inspiring women in my life i'm not even gonna say who you are because you know who you are and I just love women everywhere and if you're a woman you're doing great sweetie and while we're on the subject today's story is actually about a woman and it's kind of about motherly love so um yeah absolutely wild from start to finish she ended up killing three people I haven't even said her name yet <laughs> Leonardo Chianjuli nope Leonardo let me try that again. Leonardo Chianchuli ended up killing three people and then turning them into tea cakes and soap and usually served the tea cakes to their families or their friends or her family. Um, so how, how does somebody get there, honestly? My first question though is, if you're a parent, I'm not a parent and I probably don't think I ever will be, but if you're a parent, what, like how far would you go for your kids like would you do that would you turn people into tea cakes for your kids because that's why leonardo did it so let's just start at the very beginning buckle up because we're talking about the soap maker of correggio i hope i'm saying correggio right i think i am so Leonardo was born in 1884 in a very very poor part of italy um she honestly just had it rough right from the start her father was a rapist. She was born as a victim of rape. Um, it was the 1880s in Italy. So like, obviously, I mean, right now, abortion is like hardly a choice. Like in the 1880s, like hell no. And when she found out that she was pregnant from her rapist, she married him to like try to save face. So life was really, really sad for not only Leonardo, but also Leonardo's mom. And once she ended up giving birth to Leonardo, she absolutely fucking hated her. She didn't give her any love, any affection, any anything. She didn't really treat her as a daughter. And I don't want to say I understand because I don't. And I don't want to say like it's excusable because it's not. But like the poor girl and the poor mom, like you just look at the kid and you see your abuser and you see them and you had to marry because of her and like you just see resentment. So like both of them were just set up to fail. But I mean, that's trauma right from the start of your life. And like back then you're not getting therapy for it. You're just living with life like that. Um, and Leonardo's mom ended up um, divorcing her dad and then getting married to somebody else um, and having other kids. And she was an affectionate mom to her other kids. And like, she was like a good loving mother to her other kids, but just never to Leonardo. And sadly, she, Leonardo had attempted suicide twice. And she was just a teenager, like a young adult. So she had a really, really depressing upbringing. 
And then her mom introduced her to this rich man that she really, really wanted Leonardo to marry. And, you know, Leonardo is like going to do the opposite of anything that her mom says just because of how, um, you know, traumatic <laughs> her life has been. Um, so Leonardo is like, no, I'm, I'm not going to marry him. And so pretty much the reason that her mom, like this was like the time of arranged marriages and like her mom obviously just wanted her to marry into a rich family so that like her family could then be rich. So then Leonardo was like, fuck no. And she ended up marrying a man named Raphael Ransardi in 1917. And her mom was fucking pissed. They eloped. Like it was like a random secret thing. And her mom was like pissed. Um, and then her mom, apparently, Leonardo claims that her mom put a curse on both her and her husband and their marriage. So to Leonardo, she thinks it was doomed from the start. So Leonardo and Raphael are married. They're like, let's just get away. Let's try to start our own life and do our own thing. So they do. They move away um, and they get married or they're already married, but they move away and they like try to make a life for themselves, but they struggle to make ends meet. They don't have a lot of money. Um, and Leonardo gets arrested for the first time in 1927 for fraud. She spent some time in prison. Um, and then once this, they got out of prison, her and her husband moved again. At this point, they had a couple kids. Um, I think, I, I don't know, the timeline with the kids are weird, but we'll talk about them in a second. Um, but after she got released, they moved again, but then their house was actually destroyed in an earthquake. It was like a huge ass earthquake called the Arpenia earthquake. I just said earthquake more times than I've said that word. I didn't even want to say it again. Earthquake. I hate it. I've said it like 18 times now and it doesn't feel like a real word and it just like came out a lot. But anyway, their house was destroyed by that natural disaster. Um, and it was one of the most destructive earthquakes in Italian history. So then after their house was destroyed, they moved to Correggio. And they're like, hopefully this time this all works out. And it actually does now. They actually have a good life living in Correggio. Um, they be kind of they be kind of come. They kind of become uh, just well established. Leonardo opens a soap shop. Um, so she kind of becomes known as the soap maker of Correggio. And she also took up fortune telling. Leonardo was mad suspicious. Um, she had met with a bunch of fortune tellers in her life. Um, and they had told her things that were coming true. The first one had told her that in her right hand, she saw prison. And in her left hand, she saw, um, like a mental facility. I can't remember the words. Um, where is it in my notes? Oh my gosh. A criminal asylum was what she said. Why couldn't I think of that? Um, so Leonardo at this time had already spent time in jail, um, for the fraud charge. So like that part of her, um, thing had come true. And then they also predicted that she would, um, have this full, fun, like, good life with a husband and with a lot of kids, but that all of her kids would die before she did. So that is a depressing fortune. Both of those are really depressing fortunes. I feel like even if it were true, if I paid money to go to a psychic, I wish they would tell me just something nice. <laughs> even if it's not nice. I probably don't mean that, but like, damn, those are the two outcomes you really, really do not want. When somebody's like, oh, we're going to go get like a psychic reading and then like, oh, all your kids are going to die and you're going to go to jail in a mental asylum. Just so you know, <laughs> like at least you have a warning. But it actually was coming true. Leonardo had been pregnant 17 times in her entire life throughout her entire marriage. And yeah, 17. And 10 of them had actually died when they were young. 
three of the babies were miscarried, and then the surviving four were okay, and they were, whew, they were her babies. She was insanely protective of them, obviously, um, who wouldn't be, and she was still... Did you guys just hear Albert yelling outside the door? I tried to let him in earlier and he didn't want in. And now I get my storytelling groove going and he just tries to interrupt me. Huh. Okay, I'm back. He is secured in the sink. He is sleeping. So hopefully he just stays that way and leaves me alone. Um, anyway, where even was I? So yeah, she was mad protective of the four kids that had survived and that were like growing up, you know. Um, and she also, in the back of her mind, was always thinking about what that fortune teller had told her, like that they were all going to die before she did. So she was like always on her toes, super paranoid, like watching her back. Um, a lot of like psychologists, I've, like when I was doing my research, a lot of like, there was a lot of academic papers, like being like, she probably was very depressed and had paranoid schizophrenia and um, was paranoid. And that's why she did these things. Like, not that's why, but like, if she would have been able to get help for these things, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. But it was just a different time. It really sucks. Um, so yeah, in Correggio, she was the soap maker and she was also the fortune teller and people really, really respected her as a fortune teller and people liked her. She was a good person. She was a loving and a doting mother and she just was well-liked, like approachable and nice. So I think it's pretty cool. Like despite it all, Leonardo had a very, very traumatic childhood and upbringing, but she still um, like made a name for herself and like established herself as a woman and a person in society and a good mother. And I think it really sucks that uh, she had obviously had mental issues that couldn't be resolved, that didn't even exist. Like obviously they existed, but they weren't even like a thing at the time. Um, and she, if she had help, I think things would have gone differently because in 1938, Leonardo's favorite son and her oldest son, Giuseppe, was drafted into the army right before World War II. And Leonardo was like, fuck no. Like, she is so worried about her kids getting hurt or, like, dying or anything. Like, she is so overprotective. And then your son's going to war, like, World War II in 1938. I say that like I know what was happening in World War II in 1938. I don't. I don't at all. But anyway, she was like, I need to protect him at any cost. She has lost enough kids. She doesn't want to lose another one, especially not her favorite, obviously. Like, do I even have to say it? Like, we all know that your mom has a favorite. So like I said, she was like always worried about this fortune that she got, that her kids were going to die. So there are some sources that say that there was like another fortune teller that was like, you need to sacrifice other people to save your kids. And then there's some sources that just say that this was the conclusion that Leonardo came up to herself like from the one reading that she had she was like so in order to protect my kids I can do human sacrifice which um oh okay I don't think that's the first option that you should try I think um I mean I I, I don't know what you should do if your son is drafted maybe maybe just let him go fight the system fuck war I mean, it was World War II. It wasn't like it was Vietnam. So why am I even talking? Why am I getting into war discourse right now? Anyway, whew. so she was ready to sacrifice other people 
for her children. In 1939, um, I think it was the same year. Yeah, no, the year after, but probably like, you know, close in time. Um, this woman was coming into Leonardo's store pretty often and Leonardo um, kind of got to know her and she knew her vulnerabilities and she knew um, like what really upset this woman and then kind of convinced her to get a, um, to get a fortune telling. So Leonardo figured out what she wanted the most in life and then charged her a bunch of money and then it's like, oh, I could give this bitch a great fortune. But so what she does, Leonardo knows that this woman, she's 73, she's lonely, she's poor, she's not married, and she wants a husband. And Leonardo's like, I can do that for you. Like, I know just the guy and he's living in Pola, which today would be Croatia. But then Leonardo was like, there's a few stipulations. You have to give me your life savings. You have to get rid of everything that you own. And you have to write postcards and letters to your family that you can send to them when you get there. And she even went, um, this, obviously this man didn't exist. Like, if that's not clear, this man was not real. Um, and Leonardo went far enough as to, like, fake letters from this man living in Pola and send them to her and stuff like that. And so this woman got so excited. She sold everything that she had. Like, she was really excited. So then she goes over to um, Leonardo's house when she's supposed to be leaving. And Leonardo's like, oh, I'm so excited for you. Like, it's going to be great. You have to write me and stuff like that. And Leonardo's like, why don't you have a glass of wine? So she's like, of course. Her name is um, Faustina Setti. And Faustina's like, of course, I will have a glass of wine. Thank you. And guess what? The wine was drugged. So then Faustina, um, like falls asleep and then Leonardo just axe murders her. And then she dragged her body to a closet and held her body in the closet. Trigger warning. This is where it starts to get fucking nasty. Um, and she cut her body into nine different pieces and she saved the blood on the side. And then she was like, I think I have an idea. And she added butter and she added eggs and sugar and chocolate and milk and she turned it into cakes. Yes. Here's a quote from her memoir. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all of the ingredients together. I made lots of crumbly, crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. Wow. She literally served cakes of this woman to, like, just the neighborhood girls and the people who would come by her shop and, like, anybody who would come by. And then she would also share them with her oldest and her favorite son. Wow. I, um, I need a smoke break before we get into the rest of this. And I'm guessing you probably do too, because it doesn't get any better from here. Just warning you. So let's take a smoke break. I will be right back.
So not long after that, Leonardo was like riding this high that she doesn't get caught. Like she could do this and be perfectly fine and not get caught and her kids are still alive. Her son is still alive. So she's like, shit, I think I might've figured it out. So not that long um, later, um, she decided that maybe she should do it again. Maybe one just isn't enough and she should make sure the rest of her kids are safe too. So in September of 1940, a woman named Francesca Suave had been, um, you know, like going to Leonardo's shop a lot and Leonardo had been getting to know her. I know this has sounded familiar and Leonardo had just been um, getting to know what this woman wanted and what she needed and what her vulnerabilities were and stuff like that. Um, and she was a teacher. Um, Clementia was a teacher and she was down on her luck. She couldn't find a job um, and she was single and just like things weren't going well for her. Um, so then finally one day she decided to pay Leonardo a lot of money for a fortune telling. Leonardo's like, oh my gosh, I have this amazing job for you. I found it. It's at this school for girls. It's kind of far away. I'll send you the details, but it's the perfect fucking thing. And she did the same thing um, that she did to the last victim. She was like, um, you know, get rid of all your stuff. You have to pay me. You have to write postcards to um, your family, like, for when you get there. Um, and she, like, faked the hiring letter or something like that. And, like, it was just, yeah, she, she, she was in deep. She needed help. Clearly, just things were not right. This woman, um, yeah. So, I don't know. Also, I don't know why the whole thing about, um, like, writing postcards to your friends to a job that you haven't started yet, or, like, from a job that you haven't started yet, why was that not a red flag? Like, you haven't started it yet. Why do you have to write to your friends already? And why wouldn't you be like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that? Or at least question her. But they didn't. So Francesca went to go say goodbye to Leonardo and was like, thank you so much for this opportunity. Like Francesca was so excited. And like, I don't know if I highlighted that enough. Like these women were genuinely believing that Leonardo like had these really good things in store for them. Like the woman before her genuinely believed that she was about to go find love and find an amazing man. And that's just what makes me so sad is that they felt so indebted to Leonardo and she just kills them. And so Francesca goes to say goodbye and say thank you one more time. And Leonardo's like, let's have a glass of wine before you go. Like our last glass of wine. For real, last glass of wine. So Leonardo does the exact same thing that she did to the first victim. Uh, and, you know, then turned her into soap and sold the soap. She also turned her into candles. Um, like used her body fat for soap and for candles. And then she turned her body into tea cakes and rice cakes. Yeah, Leonardo got paid for all of this too. And I just, it breaks my heart. And I, and I, it's also not clear if Leonardo sent the letters, like sent the postcards. It's just, it's, it's just not clear. A lot of things aren't clear because it's old. Then listen to this fucked up shit. So Francesca's family were kind of suspicious of Leonardo because they knew that Leonardo's the one who set her up with this deal. And that's the other thing. Like, isn't this kind of obvious? Like, two women who kind of recently go missing. 
were recently seen with Leonardo and like Leonardo set them up with something. Um, but they were supposed to keep it secret, but you know how things go. Like when you're supposed to keep them secret, you tell nobody except for your best friend and they tell nobody except for their mom. And she tells nobody except for her grandma and her grandma tells everybody. Like it's, it's just how that whole chain works. Like I'm sure that people knew that Leonardo was doing this stuff. And so the family went to Leonardo's shop to ask about Francesca. They were like, do you know anything? And Leonardo, this bitch, served them tea cakes that were made of Francesca. Yeah. And she, like, wrote this all in a memoir. Like, she's very proud of it. Like, what the fuck? And Leonardo was like, yeah, you know, I did see her and I told her, like, good luck and everything, but then she left and I don't know much else, so bye. <laughs> and that was essentially pretty much it. Um, so later, that same month, in September of 1940, um, an old friend of Leonardo's was actually um, back in town. She was an old singer. She was an opera singer who was just down on her luck, not doing well. She didn't have a lot of money. Um, and she was kind of going to Leonardo's store a lot. She really liked Leonardo. They got along. Once again, Leonardo got to know um, all of her weaknesses and um, her insecurities and, like, what she needed and her vulnerabilities and, um, you know, how to fucking manipulate her. Leonardo figured it out. So then Vir her name was Virginia and Virginia was just looking for work like she literally just needed somewhere to work and Leonardo was like you know what I actually do know of something you got to make sure you keep it a secret but I found a job for you working um in Florence as a secretary um for like a person who finances like the plays and opera so then like maybe you could show them how good of a singer you are and also get a singing gig. Like, this is a great opportunity for you. You'd be silly if you didn't take it. And so Virginia was like, oh my gosh, thank you. But Virginia was kind of like the town gossip. And like, I'm sure the other girls were telling people, they're women, they're not girls. I'm sure the other women were telling people like what was going on um, with Leonardo, like, hush, hush, but it was pretty much Virginia, like, was just, like, talking about it. She was like, I'm going on this new journey that Leonardo is sending me on, and I love her, and you should go see her, and, like, just Leonardo, Leonardo, Leonardo did this, um, so, and people were getting pretty suspicious of her already, um, like, you know, Francesca's family was very suspicious of her, um, yeah, so things are not going well, for her, but like so far she's gotten away with it and her kids are still alive, so she's thriving. So on September 30th, Virginia was like, I'm gonna go say goodbye and thank you to Leonardo. And once again, Leonardo gives her the same treatment um, as the other two victims. And it's once again so sad because she really is so excited and she really believes she's about to go like have this job and maybe get her big break again. Like she's so excited and then she just dies. And she turned into, once again, soap and tea cakes. Here's another quote that's just gonna, you know, make you think at night. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne. And after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some of my most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. Whew. And for doing this great deed to Virginia, she got a bunch of money and she got a bunch of jewels 
And she also, after she killed Virginia, raided her house and like sold all of her stuff. So she made a lot of money off of scamming and murdering this woman and turning her into soap and cakes and calling her really sweet. But like I said, people were pretty suspicious. People kind of knew something was going on over at this girl's house. They were like, something here just doesn't seem right. She's always with them when they go missing. And luckily, Virginia's sister-in-law was like, something here isn't right. I'm gonna go to the police. But we will get to that after this quick smoke break. Guys, the Oscars are literally next month, so I guess that means we have a lot of movies to get watching, but I tend to fall asleep in movies because my hobby tends to make me a little tired. So if you find yourself in the same situation, the good news is you can catch what you missed on Oscar Bait, a podcast made up of four girls who have a lot to say about movies that could potentially be nominated for the Oscars this year. From One Night in Miami to The Trial of the Chicago 7 to even some bonus Golden Globes content, you do not want to miss it. So subscribe to Oscar Bait wherever you get your podcast for a new episode every Friday for the rest of Oscar season. Love you girls. So Virginia's sister-in-law really just kind of came through. She went to the police and she was like, listen, I don't really have any evidence, but the last I saw Virginia, she was going into Leonardo's house. And so the police were like, okay, we'll look into it because they were kind of already suspicious of her anyway. So the police go to Leonardo and at first she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm completely innocent. But then they start questioning and looking into her precious son, Giuseppe, her oldest son, her favorite son, Giuseppe. And that's literally all it took for Leonardo to be like, it was me. I did all of it. I killed them. Do you want to hear any other, other details? Because I'll tell you. Like, she would literally do anything for these kids. Like, clearly. So, Leonardo confessed to what she had done in great detail. But because the war was going on, um, she was arrested and she was in jail. And she had to wait for her trial for a really, really long time because of the war. So, she was arrested in 1940 and she wasn't tried until 1946. Um, but she wasn't denying anything. She, I think she pleaded guilty. I think she might have pleaded like mentally insane or something like that. Um, but she literally didn't deny it. But the court was having a hard time believing, um, that she could like cut up the corpses so quickly without any help all by herself and that a sweet woman could do something so horrific like this. Um, so to test that, this is, I only read this in one source. I'm not sure if it's true or not. But to test that she could do this by herself, they took her to a morgue and then she cut up a corpse into nine pieces in less than 12 minutes. Like, damn. It took less than a week and she was found guilty and she was sentenced to 30 years in prison and three years in a criminal asylum. So the fortune teller's palms were right. She went to prison and she went to a criminal asylum. Asylum. I don't know if I said that right. So, I mean, damn, like this has got to be, I mean, this had to be a mind fuck for her because she's already insanely superstitious. I wonder, I'm not that superstitious. I don't think I am. I don't, I can't, like, I love black cats. I have a black cat. But I've heard of some like crazy suspicions that people have that are just, they're superstitious. I'm a little stitious. 
Actually, I don't think I'm a little stitious. I don't think I'm stitious at all. But if you are, tell me and tell me why. Because I'm interested. Because maybe I will be superstitious. Maybe I will just be a little stitious. I don't know, but I'd love to be interested in it. Anyway, about Leonardo, she was mad superstitious and she thought that everything that these fortune tellers were telling her were right and were coming true. So now she's in jail and she's so worried about her kids. Like, I couldn't imagine being the, a mom who um, is obviously mentally not well um, and going through some things, being separated from your kids who you're also always worried about no matter what and not being able to see them or talk to them or protect them. Like she had to have been really, really, really struggling not to empathize with the murderer. But I do think that everybody can kind of see a soft spot for her because she clearly just didn't have any fucking shot at anything. Like I... She, I think she just was doing like in her mind she was not doing anything wrong I think she took it way too far I mean obviously she took it too far when she killed somebody but like she all the things that she did and then she kept killing and she wasn't really that really ashamed of it she was like proud of it and like when she was in on trial she would like correct people if they did something wrong or like said something wrong about what she did she, um, yeah, I, I don't, maybe I'm taking back my empathy with her because I think, I mean, I do think she was mentally unwell, but I also think she took advantage of people and she, I mean, she killed people, but she was manipulative and wrong and like abusive. And she just, she figured out how to get them vulnerable, took all their stuff and then killed them. Like, what a fucking crazy-ass bitch. Giuseppe, though. Giuseppe, her oldest son, also went to trial as an accomplice, but he was acquitted. Um, they didn't think he had anything to do with it. I don't think he did either. Um, and he and um, what's-her-face's, Leonardo's husband, also always claimed that she was innocent. But, like I said, this bitch wrote a memoir, and she, she just fucking let it all out. And there's recipes in it with humans in it for tea cakes and soap and stuff like that. She wrote it while she was incarcerated. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really kind of fucked up. I kind of want to read it, kind of don't, because this case makes me sick to think about. Like, when I think too much about it, I get queasy because, I mean, think about what's happening here, people. Like, I, I can't think, I can't, I can't talk about it. I just need you to think about what's happening here. She ended up dying while she was in the asylum in October of 1970, but her murder weapons like the axe as well as the pot that she boiled her victims in um, are in the Criminology Museum in Rome. Oh my god, I hate it. Um, oh, it literally makes me so crazy to think about. Nature versus nurture is just like a crazy debate. I've been just going back and forth about it because I think if she would have been born in a different time and treated for her obvious depression that she had from her traumatic childhood and her life, I don't know if she would have ended up a murderer. Maybe she was born to be a murderer and maybe she just, um, like, the mental illness was on top of that. Like, she had a really, really wild, sad life, but she did really well for a long time. It was just, she drove herself insane with her paranoia that her kids were gonna die. She thought she had to do this to protect them. Mm, girl, no, you don't. I honestly don't know. I kind of wonder if her kids all lived 
past her, like if any other of her kids died. I would love to hear your thoughts about this case. If I gave her too much, if you think I gave her too much empathy, tell me. Because I don't know, I just kind of, I, I don't feel for her after she starts killing. I feel for her when she is mentally getting to the point where she's like, do I have to kill somebody to keep my kids alive? That's where I wish she would have gotten help because I don't empathize with anything after that. Um, obviously I just, I, I want to, I want to know what other people think because this one's really messed up and I'd never heard of it before. And I listen to a lot of true crime stuff and there's not that much out there about it. Um, that's why this is kind of a shorter episode because it's kind of, it's kind of a point blank case. There was a movie, um, I think in like the, the late nineties made about like her life, um, and how sad it was. And then her murders and stuff like that. The part that makes me just the most sad is that these women just thought that they were going to meet an amazing person or get an amazing job. And like, they were so thankful and like they felt indebted to her and she did so much for them. And the, how could they ever repay her? And then she killed them, took all their money, stole their things, sold them for money. And then turned their bodies into tea cakes and soap and sold those for money and fed them to people. Like, fucked in the head. Absolutely fucked in the head. But let's talk about it. Like, I really want to hear people's thoughts about this. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I You probably won't be able to wash your hands or eat cake for a little while, but please wash your hands. Um, especially right now. I can't believe that people weren't washing their hands before corona, but wash your hands. Um, and make sure that you trust your psychic or your fortune teller. And um, if you need help, make sure that you reach out for help. And I just hope that everybody's doing all right. And I cannot wait to hang out and smoke and talk about another fucked up story next Monday. Bye.